And so for today's conversation, we're focusing in on how Jesus made disciples in relationships. And he spent three years with his disciples, his closest friends. And at the very end of this time that he spent with them, he left them some parting words. So his best friends, his closest companions, the people that walked with him day in and day out for three full years, he left some final words. And he could have said anything to them. He could have said, I really love you guys, I'm going to miss you, or you're going to miss me, or this has been really fun, like let's, let's reminisce the, the good moments, the hard moments, the, the times we laughed, maybe we should sit down and tell some stories about the greatest miracles that we witnessed. There was this season of time for three years that was incredible, and he could have said anything at the end of three years. But he chose to commission them to go and make disciples. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Out of all of the things that Jesus could have said, he chose to commission us. To go out and make disciples. This final thing he said that we need to do was not to study the Bible, was not to do our devotions, it was not to attend a worship service, or even to be disciples of Jesus, but to go and make disciples. Sometimes I think in the uh, American church in particular, we focus on the being a disciple of Jesus part. And we completely separate it from the making disciples part. Even though it cannot technically be separated, we have broken it down into a bit of separate camps as a church. And we get into the mindset that everything faith-related is for us. Everything related to our own discipleship as a follower of Jesus is what we want, how we are best discipled, how we function, how we think, how we want to experience community, how we want to sing, how we want to engage. And we want all of these things to be perfect before we go and make disciples. And this emphasis on what we want and how we function, what it has done is provided a church model that kind of grows through a few transfer believers a year or it dies slowly. And the reason for this is that we are looking to make disciples who look and think and function and want the same things that we want. Because if we want our music a certain way, and we disciple someone and bring them into our story that wants music a different way, then we risk what we want. And so we get all of these things perfect. And then we look for people that we can disciple or invite that already like the things we like, that already look like we like, that already function 
how we function because then we don't risk the way that we worship. And there's a a picture here that kind of um, describes uh, some of this, but a follower of Jesus is someone who is following Jesus and experiencing life transformation. Matthew 4.19 says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. A lot of times we stop at come follow me, don't we? Jesus says, come follow me, and we say, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. Let's go. And that's great. That's the first step to say, let's follow Jesus. Let's fall in love with Jesus. Let's look at what Jesus has done. Let's take our life and our story and our hurts and our wounds and our things that need healing, and let's give them to Jesus and see what Jesus does. And then Jesus does something incredible with it, and then we stop. And we forget that that's only half. The other half is, and I will make you fishers of people. A follower of Jesus is someone who is following Jesus and experiencing life transformation. This isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. You want to follow Jesus. We want to be followers of Jesus who are experiencing life transformation. But a disciple of Jesus is someone who is following Jesus, experiencing life transformation, and on mission with Jesus making disciples. And a church that is making disciples, it can multiply. And one of the values of the free Methodist churches is multiplication. Now, the thing is, when we focus on what we want and how we worship, and then we go out and try to make disciples that look and function and think and want the things that we want, we may add some people to our story. We may do some addition. But when each of us goes out to make disciples in relationship, there's the component of multiplication. When we're not focused on what we want and how we function and who looks like us and how they can be a part of our story and still worship and function like we function, then we can move to a part where we begin to multiply disciples of Jesus. Now, following Jesus means that, yes, we will read our Bibles and, and yes, we will know some things. And yes, we will hang out with Jesus and, and we'll hang out with Jesus' people at church. And knowing some things is helpful. And having community is essential. And hanging out with Jesus is a non-negotiable. They're all great and needed components of following Jesus, but not where the final command that Jesus left us ends. So if Jesus commanded us to go out and make disciples, if he left us with this commission to go and make disciples, then we know how to make disciples by looking at how Jesus made disciples. So Matthew 9, 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Then Jesus sends out the twelve. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus, through this one moment in scripture, compels us and instructs us with how to make disciples. How to do what Jesus was asking them to do. He was teaching them what he had done and commissioned them to go repeat it. And through this short passage, there's a couple of really, really important observations that help us know how to make disciples in our own context and in our own world. And and one of the Free Methodist bishops, Bishop Keith Cowart, he shared some observations that are really helpful as we break down how do we make disciples. So what did Jesus do? The first thing that Jesus did was Jesus saw. Jesus went into the darkest places and saw people. Now this may sound super, super simple, but he saw them in their worst moments and he saw them in their best. He didn't isolate. He didn't select who he hung out with on a basis of what they believed or how their beliefs differed or or what they were going through. He was there with people. The second thing he did was that he cared. Jesus didn't just see people. He cared about what he saw. It says here that, that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. There is no compassion without sight. You cannot have compassion on someone that you do not see. And sight without compassion is judgment. So when we look and we see someone else, do we have compassion? The third thing that Jesus did and modeled and said to do was that he prayed. He said, the workers are few and the harvest is plentiful. Ask the Lord of the harvest. And then he immediately answered that prayer by saying, I am praying for the workers of the harvest, and that person that I am praying for that is the worker of the harvest is you. And now I know someone who did this really, really well. She was in her 80s. Her name was Wanda. She sometimes watches online. She doesn't know I'm telling this story, but we tell this story um, all the time, those of us that know her, because it's so inspiring. But, but she prayed for workers of the harvest, and then she went down to Safeway in her 80s with Bibles, and as people walked out of Safeway, she said, can I give you this? Can I pray for you? Can I tell you about Jesus? So let's pray for workers of the harvest and then be workers for the harvest. The last thing that Jesus did, because I know there's cars and shaved ice and tacos and and you're going to get hungry and you're going to want to see who wins an award. And so the last thing that Jesus modeled and imparted to the disciples in this short passage was that he gave them authority. Jesus challenged them to go out, ready, available, fearless. 
for the cause of Christ. Knowing that he would be with them every step of the way. And as we wrap up this morning, I want to just ask some questions. And if you are here and you don't know Jesus... I understand that this might be a little bit awkward or confusing. But I want to ask a few questions and see how we can apply this particular instruction from Jesus to our own stories. So one, what legalistic tendencies do we have that are keeping people from exploring the faith? Is it our preference, and then we are trying to develop and bring in people who will honor our preference? Another question, am I more concerned with preserving a Christian nation than I am with reaching people for Jesus? Am I viewing the world as a dark place to avoid, or am I actively in the community reaching it for Jesus? Jesus saw, and he had compassion. If we isolate from the world, and we view it as a dark, dangerous place that we need to make sure that we keep ourselves safe from, we will neither see nor will we have compassion. Am I allowing my own fears or lack of confidence to keep me from engaging people for Jesus? Or have I rationalized my own unwillingness to be a worker in the harvest and make disciples? Have I figured out that some combination of the right amount of studies, the perfect degrees, the certificates, and the, and the understanding, have I decided that once I've gone to church for two months, I will know enough to tell someone about Jesus? Or, or have I decided that we pay a pastor, so why would I need to do that? Uh, where have you landed inside of your own heart and soul on your responsibility to reach people for Jesus? Because here's what we know. Jesus came to provide hope in hopeless stories. Jesus came to offer love in stories that don't feel like they have any love here. And for some of you, that will hit home on Father's Day. Because maybe Father's Day is filled with heartache and pain. As you process a father relationship here that has been challenging, disappointing, hurtful. Jesus came to bring freedom to those of us trapped in a, in a religious space, following rules. Jesus came to heal our physical and our emotional illnesses, to free us from addiction, and to engage our stories right where we are. And sometimes we, we say here that your combination could be Jesus plus a therapist plus medication because that might be what you need, but Jesus is in that story. And we want to go out from this place knowing that we have offered Jesus 
to as many people as we possibly could, and we have experienced Jesus in our own hearts, souls, and minds. And if you're here this morning and you simply need to hear that Jesus can redeem your situation, know that he can. And if you're here this morning and you need the reminder that Jesus called us not just to be followers of Jesus, but to be fishers of men, go out today and make disciples.